0: Guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, as ever, remember that all the information you're about to hear is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any illnesses or diseases. Please make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of the things we may discuss in this podcast. Speaking of education, if you're an exercise professional, coach, or anyone working within the realms of health and fitness, when you're done listening here make sure to head on over and check out our education portal at www.themusclementors.co.uk. If you like us and truly care about the well-being of your clients, about getting access to the best and most up-to-date information in the areas of exercise mechanics, hypertrophy, sleep, improving your online coaching services and much, much more, then be sure to join up. You'll gain access to endless hours of content focused around everything you need to become a true elite coach and get your clients in the best physical shape possible. This is all in the form of video lectures, weekly live education sessions and study groups. You also get early access to our podcast and access to any exclusive Q&A segments we do with our guests. The content never stops on the portal. It's not a one-off course. It's an ever-evolving learning platform designed to give you the best information possible in this area. Head on over to our website and become part of our epic community full to the brim of other professionals who like yourself are focused on providing the best health and physique related results for their clients. Join us and them and gain the resources, support and accountability you need to become the elite of the health and fitness industry. For now though grab yourself a pen and paper and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Um, Joined by Al and Paul, for those who aren't on YouTube. And for those who aren't on YouTube, go on YouTube because it's better to watch. And just i mean what do you reckon uh, like do when you guys watch like listen to podcasts are you youtubers or are you podcast? I, driving,
1: I very much like to have youtube on just in front of <laughs> oh, that's
0: a very good <laughs> point that's a very good point <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. that's what i haven't factored in when we start drawing mechanic you know like when you say we uh, like, I mean when you start so drawing But now I'm thinking, yeah, for those that (laughs) attempted to watch previous uh, videos of me drawing slash demonstrating stuff on YouTube whilst driving, I (laughs) apologise. Legal
1: point, we're not responsible (laughs) for any children you run over whilst listening (laughs) slash drawing.
0: Now that's in the disclaimer, I'll have to add that in. I mean, that's (laughs) on, on people trying to watch this on YouTube that I just didn't factor that in. So that's pretty bad. But anyway, on with the show. (laughs) um uh no today we're gonna so it's paul alex and myself um and no ross um ross sadly
2: he's uh he's passed away (laughs) there's Um, a theme within our team
0: yeah i mean he might he might rise from the dead i don't know that might be another theme as well so who knows um but um today we're going to be talking about common mistakes that new trainers typically make upon entering the industry um not necessarily just in the online sector as well. So, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be kind of coming at this from a perspective of trainers working on the gym floor and online, because a lot of these points overlap. Um, we came up with a few that hopefully will resonate with some of you listening. Um, and where did we say we were going to start? I think we said expecting to kill the game straight out of the gate.
1: Yeah, you are just going to be making bank like two weeks <laughs> in. People are going to be knocking down your door, wanting to give you money hand over fist because you're awesome, because you've got abs. Let's do this. All I'm going to do is just show a picture of my abs and clients are going to just be rushing towards me. They might even suck me off while doing it. I'm just going to... <laughs> That's basically not going to happen. But- I was,
0: for the record, that was how Paul entered the industry. That that's a, how
2: Paul still conducts himself. It's, that's that's, I that's how you got much, the job I should play. really point that out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how you joined the team, wasn't it? Wasn't that wasn't like your interview.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I just right. sent some dick pics and uh, <laughs> here we are. You got four <laughs> thumbs up. Done.
0: So let's like, talk
1: about professionalism.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about the people who ha- maybe this is the first podcast of ours they've listened to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is the last podcast of ours that they listen it's to. All <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think there is that thing that I, maybe it's changing now, but I think for a long period of time, PT was sold as a bit of a dream for people, almost as like a secondary career sometimes, or this thing, you could earn 40, 50 pounds an hour. That sounds great for people who are currently working you know, behind a bar or aren't really sure what they want to do with things. They're like, oh, that'd be cool. And you know, maybe they're interested in training a little bit themselves. They've been going to the gym a couple of years, or they played a bunch of sport when they were a teenager, or they lost a bunch of weight. And they're like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be for me. And so they expect, partially because they don't know anyone in the industry yet that have had a proper chat to, uh, partially because every marketer sells a bit of a dream. They don't always sell reality. You come in, you're like, oh, shit. And I think uh, this, this stat might have changed since I last looked at it, but I want to say that the industry average for the length of time someone lasts as a PT from when they enter the industry to leave it is 18 months. And that's an average, which means it's been skewed by people like me and Al and Jimbo, people who've been doing it like a decade or
2: longer at times.
0: I love how I was not in there. They uh, <laughs> even pointed the... at you and they
2: didn't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you are you're a youth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, hang I, on. I'm sure I'm older than now. <laughs> yeah,
2: I <was> have <laughs> just aged. Actually, how old yeah. am I? I'm 26. Yeah. Luke, and I the same, Luke and I the same age. I, I mean, mean, you just look really old. Definitely. Definitely. So, like, hang on, just a slight, um, interlude. Cal will love this, he, just in case he doesn't listen to it. I asked, uh, I won't name that, a client, how old you thought Cal was. <laughs> can you guess what she said 42 <laughs> 42, <laughs> yeah, 42. Yeah. she genuinely said she thought he was 42 yeah, i i yeah. Mate, that was that hour call was done i was ruined for <laughs> stuff yeah,
1: I, I didn't <laughs>
0: even
2: know that that was just a guess i like the no. fact i'm
1: the second oldest one in the mentors <laughs> i'm like
0: mm-hmm. how is yeah. this and for the record ryan is oldest
1: um, <laughs> he's got a really good moisturizer, so he's All right. most weirdly the youngest and uh, no one saw that coming. He's, uh, he's <laughs> aging like the Robin Williams film Jack and he remembers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <My name's laughs> 12 years old. <laughs> um, this has gone off on a hard tangent. A hard um, tangent. Um, but I mean, for the record as well, where where we talk about these common mistakes and we have just got into like people expecting to kill it, we're not offering solutions here. We're just going to mock, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I mean, mock and and just laugh at people that do this. I mean, look, you
1: done. you can end, uh, you can end up making a very good living as a PT, either in person or online. It's hmm. just really rare that it's within the first couple of years because most of the time people are qualifying very quickly which is not their fault that's just the qualification it is what it is and so sometimes that's as fast as six weeks sometimes it's up to six months depending on how they space the learning and what kind of course they did but you know name me one other industry where you can be very good at something within that period of time like even electricians and plumbers have a two-year apprenticeship period and yet They don't earn absolutely nothing in that kind of period of time and then ultimately get to do it. And I think if you went into this job, having more of that approach in your head, that the first two years are often going to be an apprenticeship where you're probably going to need to reinvest as much as you possibly can, which is going to be difficult because we've just said you're not going to earn as much as you think, into education, into mentorships, joining things like the portal, like get on that stuff and accelerate your progress because the first couple of years are really going to be about you upskilling and getting good enough so that you'll be able to run a successful business over the long term i think at
2: least anyway
0: yeah yeah Yeah. and i think that's where it's, it's such a different experience to what people would get if they went and worked in some sort of corporate job where they would come in through the door there would be a clearly mapped up like path ahead of them there would be a system in terms of like leveling them up and, and things like that and it's not so obvious in the fitness industry especially when you're fairly like self-employed and you're coming in and you you know you often don't have any kind of mentor and stuff you have to go and seek those people out um which is where
1: where's um so al spent time with you. how long were you at up al?
2: two and a half years two and a half years
1: what was that process like because they strike most of us on the outside world is
2: actually doing a better job of running an internal system yeah well that's that's one of the things that they sell they sell that there is a ladder that you can move up within you basically you get you get a mentor for your first year so you get you get trained up in how to do things there where you get everything overseen for a period of time and in terms of from a learning potential that's kind of how everyone should start their career because I mean I've been I've been PTing for five years when I went there and I think I'm the same people I learned more my first two weeks than I've learned in the last two years you've got a of goods to do things
0: you haven't, you haven't learned more since working with us me what's going on had
2: had, had, had. <laughs> it oh, jesus christ this is, this is an insight into working for the Moss and mentors not you um <laughs> no that's that's what everyone needs they they kind of need someone there breathing down the neck a little bit because everyone, everyone comes into it a bit naive don't they everyone yeah. comes into the industry and then, like you mentioned um you kind of hear people paying 40 pounds an hour and you equate that into what you actually take per hour and you kind of take off gym and you take off travel then you understand oh i'm not actually just giving that person an hour of my time there are other bits away from the gym i'm giving them and you suddenly go oh actually earnings are a little bit lower than i expected here mm-hmm. and that's when everyone kind of goes oh so to earn money i need to do loads and loads of hours and do like stupid yeah. amounts of hours every single week because it's like i need to get some cash from this mm-hmm. and then or you know, you've it's been a bit that. of a slippery slope yeah or you've
1: got that thing of being like oh sweet if i just do 40 hours at 40 pounds an hour sweet but the problem you're going to have for most people is mm. the hours that clients want aren't always the hours you want to give away they have yeah. jobs your the clients you have generally speaking have jobs and so they're not free during that 9 to 5 period most of the time you might fill that lunch break but you're going to be looking at early mornings and late nights for a good few years mostly mm. um, yeah. you know, to do that and that's That's a sacrifice on a whole bunch of different fronts within here as well. So we're really not selling
2: the dream very well. Don't don't (laughs) do this as a job.
0: (laughs) There are some really good uh, routes you can take. And I think the route you can take if you're like, oh, I would prefer to have something mapped out for me is seek out places like UP. Um, It's it's hard, but if you can you'll
1: accelerate your career
0: you you get placed in a a position to to kind of benefit from all those things and, and move up pretty quickly if you're prepared to go at it alone there's certain things that you would need to have in place and that's where taking the approach that Paul mentioned of kind of taking your education very seriously reinvesting you know, accepting that you're going to have to learn a lot of stuff on your own. I mean, you're going to learn, you're going to have to learn how to market yourself and things like that. But you've also got to then consider what's useful and what's not useful at that point in your career. So if there's people that are relatively new to the industry and you're not planning on getting online, I mean, if you are planning on getting online, the the key thing you're going to need to build a, 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 um, a based on there and a kind of income or a, uh, or be to be able to attract clients is getting results and working on the gym floor is a good place to get that. But having a big presence on social media might not be that helpful for being a one-to-one PT because the network of like people you're trying to attract is is the like the local area where you work. So getting out into like the 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 world of social media is probably lower down the priority list. But building a name within the area you're working is probably higher, and that means you don't necessarily need to do too much on social media. You can get your head down focus on getting results meeting people in the gym meeting people in community getting referrals through those sorts of uh avid use and things like that getting results in that sense and then when you're ready and you've got enough experience to transition online you've got a much better you know um kind of base of results and experience to help kind of springboard you on that front um and i think that's that's i think there's so, so many people coming in now where they're kind of rushing into the online thing which was the other point that we were kind of getting onto, which was jumping online too soon where they don't have the experience, they don't have the results. And uh, it becomes a bit of a shit show, um, (laughs) to put it pretty bluntly, um, because they haven't spent those first few years, you know, they've, they've expected to grow too quickly and kind of fallen into the trap of their, you know, making decisions to go online too quickly and things like that. And they haven't put the time in to educate themselves and establish an awesome kind of business. Um, which you can do and still be quite successful. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, it depends, I suppose, on one degree of what kind of, we <laughs> speak about online coaching as though it's one thing, but there's a big difference between one-to-one online coaching and group-style mm-hmm. coaching or selling pre-programmed packages or whatever that thing is that's going to be relevant to your target market. Mm-hmm. So some of those are going to require more coaching knowledge than others. You know, if you're selling a group, coaching package to women who've previously done slimming world that's generally going to be a slightly different experience than if you're trying to attract one-to-one stuff i know a lot of guys and girls who really want to attract high-end clients quote-unquote they want to attract the bodybuilders the fitness models the people who how often do you hear this Take it seriously.
2: Yeah, but you mean five motivated individuals. <laughs> for. Yeah. Guys, guys, We're looking for five guys. <laughs> yeah, and
1: the reality is, if you want to attract that type of client, you're up against the cows of from the muscle mentors here. You're up against JP. You're up against Mike Israel. You're up against some really big boys with big followings, and you better be on their level if you want to compete in that. And the reality is you probably aren't because not many people are, especially early on. Like, I know that stuff seems attractive and there's nothing wrong with aiming at that as a long-term goal, but then you're gonna have to try and reverse engineer your way back and go, okay, that's where I wanna get to. Well, how could I accelerate that thing? Well, tr- find out what it's like working with them if that's your thing. Hire a coach, hire one of those guys, hire a few of them at different times. See what the coaching experience is like don't necessarily go client hopping, right? Uh, but I, see what the, they
0: just rip off all their systems. You'll be absolutely <laughs> <laughs> There's a
1: bunch of people. If you're going to rip off systems, folks, at least change the color scheme and reformat stuff a little bit. Yeah. The and amount of spreadsheets I've seen from other people, I'm like, pretty sure that's my spreadsheet. You've yeah. just recolored it.
0: Yours? <laughs> I that was us. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I've, I've seen a bunch over the years. Like, you know, I have taken over the years stuff from coaches I've worked with. Like, oh, that's a good idea. But I'll remake it in my own thing rather than just completely <laughs> rip it up. So yeah, maybe go and, and, and try yeah,
0: that. Stuff, but that, that, I mean, that's a really good point because where you just mentioned, like people wanting to work with those individuals. If you think, oh yeah, I'm, I enjoy bodybuilding and stuff, I want to work with bodybuilders, and you're like, cool. I Understand those sorts of people are the last people that pay for personal trainers in the gym. If that's where you yeah. start out, it's going to be harder. Um, But similar to that point, if you recognize that, okay, I'm going to have to be working with gem pop people and stuff, the gym you choose to work in has an impact on that. So a good example is where I used to work in, in Tunbridge Wells. Um, There was the the gym is called Halo Gym. I think when I first worked there, it was called The Gym. And they rebranded to Halo because I think of the similarity to the um, kind of the big chain, The Gym. right window um and um but yeah so that gym itself is full of quite advanced trainees but people that are very unlikely to buy personal training because even though they probably do need it they don't feel they need the advice you know and so it's harder to get clients in in gyms like that despite the fact that the the equipment's really good it's probably better than most of the gyms in that area it will be a harder environment to build a really big client base because not only is it a is it full of people like that? But it's also um, a smaller membership. You know, you've got to think the amount of members there versus the Pure Gym that's down the road, which has 4,000 members. So this one, you know, the, the Halo Gym at the time had three 400. Pure Gym has 4,000. Where, where are you going to be kind of presented with more opportunities to gather clients? The Pure Gym, yes, the equipment's not as good, but if the, if the goal is only to get, you know, a good client base, you um, And results and things like that, that's probably a smarter decision. I think there are too many people that are influenced by, oh, this is the gym I train at because I want really good kit, therefore I work there, but they don't take into account how that factors into their plan of getting, you know, working with general population clients that are going to be more likely to buy from them.
1: Yeah, you want to look more at, like, what's the penetration rate a place
2: has? <laughs> <you to laughs> that's oh, right. The what? Hang on, the what? Sorry, Paul. Oh,
0: uh, it's penetrating- is this, is this how
2: YouTube is. Ladies, <laughs> ladies and gents, that's how I, uh, that's how I was sold it. Uh, <laughs>
0: now I have to put an age restriction on this video, man. <laughs> <There
2: you go. laughs> I, I love that people watch this on YouTube, and you've said that, and Luke and I just go, tell us more. Did you guys that? not <laughs> and so,
1: I've got, what? so I spent, for those listening, six years at a David Lloyd. Uh, And so when they talk about PT penetration, (laughs) oh, yeah, they're talking about the really obvious, uh, you know, banging clients. They're really not. Uh, They're talking about... What's the rate? What's the percentage of their members that engage in PT as a percentage of the total membership that they have? And that gets called penetration rate, which is probably needs renaming. I've actually, and this is surprising, never
2: thought of that before this moment right now. Oh, you definitely which, have. Anyone who knows that's me, a blatant lie. <laughs> <It's definitely bad. laughs> exactly not. That's, that's the pretty nuts part. Like, how
1: have I missed that this, all these years? Um, you're, you're, you're wanting to go somewhere with a pretty high. Yeah. Penetration rate, uh, because it's going to be easier for you to pick up clients. Now, generally speaking, if you can go anywhere that's a relatively affluent area that has things like a tennis club attached, and you know it's got a creche and a little mum's group, like these are people who have usually got some spare income, got some free time, and you don't need to be a complete genius to train them and get them on board. Hmm. You don't, and that's often going to be you, a
0: great, very totally to good-looking, right. <laughs> <laughs> The, okay, if you look good in a tight top. You've got to attract some people. That,
1: that generally does help you. Uh,
0: Very charming.
2: You'd be surprised how far those two things get you. That's why Paul. That's why Paul was there for six years. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <about it. laughs> buddy. Yeah, we're, we're still going with the same points. Like, where
1: do clients who are likely to buy PT hang out? And yeah. then for a couple of years spend time there like listen to them try and problem solve try and get them the results that they say they want which probably leads us on to another point actually they're the client's goals not your goals mm-hmm. so just because you like crossfit doesn't mean all your clients should do crossfit and just because you don't like crossfit doesn't mean your clients shouldn't do crossfit like what do they want to do if all, the old adage that if all you've got is a hammer everything looks like a nail.
0: Then, yeah, but then at the same time, if you don't know how to coach CrossFit, then you're going to... Oh,
1: God, yeah, for sure. But then, <laughs> I didn't necessarily mean start coaching CrossFit. Actually, oh, no, 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 right? no, If they want to go and do that, then... First I, mean, of
0: course, then I just feel like there'll be some people that will be literally like, my client wants to lift a lift. I don't know how to lift a lift, but I, it's their goal. <laughs> lift <a> lift. <laughs> yeah, so those, are sometimes those bits where
1: you go, this one isn't for me. Maybe let's hand them on to someone else. Or they go over there to work on that, or maybe you go on an Olympic lifting course, or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, I was kidding with that, but um, but yeah, the imposing goals, bigan.
1: Big. I mean, we've all done it. For the record, oh, what we're talking do. about here, I've done basically everything we're
0: about to list. Yeah,
2: to. I think we all have. Yeah, I think, I think it's good. like with this—you've been on a course and you've learned something new. So you immediately know that everyone has to do it for the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, I still, <laughs> I still do it in the sense mm-hmm. of if a client comes on board. You know, I tell them the go.
2: <laughs> 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 you look great like this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there'll be people that make have pretty successful businesses that way but that's because they do only work with people that have one goal really.
1: That generally happens more online than in the gym.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: it does yeah. still happen sometimes in the gym. If you are literally the biggest bodybuilder in the gym, you might get more bodybuilders come over to you and you might build a, a yeah. thing that way. If you've Be got prepared. a giant...
0: Be prepared for the client that comes over and says they want to get as small as possible. You... <laughs> you never know.
2: You never know. I've had that. I genuinely had that. I told you boys about that. I had somebody yeah. comes wanted to and say, lose muscle. That was good fun.
0: Fantastic. Who was it and what for? Scalpel.
2: Um, it, was, it was what? A scalpel, did you say? Oh, yeah, we just chopped a limb
0: off. They just no, no,
2: they, they were... Somebody was very concerned about... A female client very concerned about gaining too much muscle. So she actually wanted to lose a little bit because her arms were getting too big and she'd mesh them every couple of
0: weeks. Oh, she... This is the
2: yeah, this is the stuff that when you actually become a trainer, this is the kind of stuff that you have to deal with. <laughs>
0: with I've only, all these easy I've scenarios.
2: Had,
1: I've had one female client over the years who we also cut way back on her upper body because her upper body was just pretty jacked. She was like, yeah, these are getting... But that, I've literally had one client in the decade plus where I was like... <laughs> you know what yeah okay let's like you have lots of clients who worry that that might happen mm. when you have one where at
0: yeah i've got okay. a client at the moment who her quads are insane um but she wants to like build up her posterior chain a bit and um specifically her glutes and the uh but her anything we do lower body wise comes at the risk that her quads are going to grow um mm-hmm. so you know, like there's not much. Can, yeah. There's an easy solution, very, solution here, mate, very, Oh, we have to be very specific. But
1: easy solution. Botox the quads <laughs> during anything, then they can't work, <laughs> and then only the glutes grow. Yeah, um, Science. That's why Science. people come to the muscle mentors, <laughs> The Botox mentors.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just be like, okay, hey, we know your glutes are gonna be able to move this thing. <laughs>
2: But these, are, it's interesting though, because these are the type of clients that people will avoid when they start as well. But these are the type of clients that you learn the most from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not just the ones where you go, oh, here's a diet and yeah. training and they're in shape.
0: I mean, uh, you, yeah. want, you
2: want to take them on when you're brand new, but you want to avoid that difficult situation. Mm. But as soon as you get someone like that, you have to go about things a bit more differently with. Mm. Yeah. They're kind of
1: fun once you, when do you
0: doing
2: it. Yeah, they're fun once you've been doing it for a
1: while because you're like, ooh, mm. a <laughs> doofing.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, for instance, yeah. this client, like, the, the, growth we managed to achieve in our glutes is pretty cool it's also really noticeable but like the the thought process that's going to it was fun and that's yeah mm. um but anyway back to um imposing goals on clients um
1: i mean i think we, I
0: mean, one that's
1: sort of because i think we sort of touched on that but one that's slightly related to it is and i've definitely done this one you know you go on a course or something you start learning some corrective things and then your entire session turns into working on the ankle for the fat loss <laughs> you've got who's 40 kilos overweight you're like no, no no but we need to solve this restriction you've got over here <laughs> i went on the fms course or i read Kelly directs becoming a supper leopard and you know we've got to do this now so we spent <laughs> we spent an hour doing some foam rolling some distraction with some bands and oh. we don't train and that's really useful for that person who's you know, 40 kilos overweight and trying to just get into <laughs> exercise. Good use of the time, Paul. So
2: <laughs> I, I think, Al, have you done the same thing? I, I've done it multiple times when I first started out. Yeah. I say, again, that comes back to the same thing of ignoring their goal, though. You kind yeah. of go, no, I think you need to do this. And then that means we're going to do this. And they listen to you to the authority. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Like, on one level, yes. that's
1: kind of normal. Like, I'm sure the guys mm-hmm. and girls who come on our practical camps, can't wait sometimes to leave and apply that stuff that is mm. normal we all i still do that kind of thing when i do yeah. various things it's just trying to remember to. it's still about the client and their goals and just because you got excited about this thing doesn't mean you should just crowbar it in to their session just because you're excited by it so it might be relevant in which case cool have at it but if it isn't
2: leave it away <laughs> for a bit mm.
0: I can't believe you guys have have done this stuff. I mean, I've, I'm just the perfect trainer. I've never done it.
2: <laughs> I don't love my mistakes. So I don't make any. So. <laughs>
0: exactly. No, no, I've definitely done it. I mean, there, there was a... Yeah. There's tons of times, but I, I never went down the FMS route. I mean, there's stuff I've done, even in learning yes, stuff that, mate,
1: Overhead squatting was a um, serious investment. Mm.
0: But no, even in stuff with RTS and, you know, where you kind of test someone's you know do some kind of active range assessments and then you find some crazy discrepancy in torso rotation or something and you're like oh my god like let's let's spend half an hour doing some and then like shit like now we've just we've just opened up a bit here and you know that's cool but now we've lost half the session and that wasn't the goal <laughs> you know yeah yeah, the, um, yeah it's those uh those things which are cool to learn from but then equally there's obviously times and places where they are is valuable to have that kind of investigative eye but not for many people and that won't be for those people that are new to the industry you're unlikely to be working with clients where you need to be that specific
1: the reality as well oftentimes let's so let's say you've got a client who can't do a certain thing for whatever given reason the best solution for most of your clients is regression not correctives it's mm. okay mm. they can't do a squat let's say sweet can they do a leg press can I do a leg extension? Can I, what can I do with them? Now, we might still want to address a couple of things, but that shouldn't be taken too much. I still need to get them. If their goal is fat loss or muscle growth or whatever, I need to get them a training effect. And that training effect isn't, or well, very rarely, is increased dorsiflexion. Hmm. Like, I, I don't, no one's ever come to me with that as a goal.
0: Yeah, and the, the amount of, if you look into the research on, you know, improving range of motion around joints and improving strength around joints and, Mobility, things like that. You know, those are things people often, you know, think about. They're like, oh, we need to include loads of stretching in this and that because this client needs to be more mobile. The research is very clear that most of the time, it's like well, resistance training pretty much always wins out when they compare all the different interventions. The condition that always wins out is usually resistance training. The things like stretching and foam rolling are usually bottom of the barrel. Um, and it, it's the thing. So when people go down that corrective route you know if they're if they really know what they're doing they might be able to get away with it but a lot of the time you know it could be that you pick something that is beyond that client's current skill level and you'd have to regress it. something some place they're at and then if you gradually progress them back a lot of the time you actually get there and here's here's another one
1: most clients want to feel empowered through their session they want to feel better they want to feel like It might be a bit of a challenge, but that they can do it. If you keep drilling down on something that they're obviously really struggling with, generally speaking, most clients won't love that as a long-term approach. Like People want to feel they don't mind a challenge, but they want to feel like they can get it and that they, they can work at it and therefore they can improve at it. And so if you're spending your whole time just pointing out all the shit that isn't perfect, quote unquote, you're missing the forest for the trees. Like, that's not what the client came to you for, almost certainly.
0: Mm. Mm. I mean, another which kind of leads on from this slash that exact thought process would be when clients have been, you know, told they need to squat, bench, deadlift because they're the best because they do. Yeah,
1: they read a teenage article, Um, so
0: they do. Yeah, and that's another thing, you know, you might not necessarily be imposing goals, but it's imposing what an incorrect or flawed thought process onto how you you work with them in sense of like, there's clients that, you know, their goal is they want to be a bit stronger, you know, be a bit more muscular and move a bit better and be in less pain and be able to kind of play with their kids or play with their grandchildren, whatever it is. And you're like, well, let's squat, barbell squat. And you're like, what? <laughs> And there's a time when we've all done that. And you're like, wow, I know deadlifting is really good. It's a really good exercise for the posterior chain and challenging all these muscles and this and that. I mean, you're like, but then specifically, it, you know, it requires such a high skill level and the risk is very high. And there may be more appropriate ways to get a client to those previous goals that we mentioned than going in with the most complicated exercises in the gym.
1: Yeah, but at the same token, because everything's about the client again, like I have, a, for example, a long-term client who bloody loves back squatting. In fact, Mm -hmm. she generally loves powerlifting, even though she's really not well-built for powerlifting. And so her back squat looks a lot like, I don't know, a clam opening. Uh, (laughs) And... (laughs) Would that be (laughs) better? Say that again. Good morning. Yeah, literally. It's... uh, Now... we, she understands all of the ex, well, Doesn't fully understand all the exercise mechanics, but she's been through it enough times with me. She gets it. She understands, but she still fucking loves doing a back squat. She wants to be better at a back squat. So, what do we do at that? Well, we program back squats. <laughs> like again, it's what does she want? As long as we've given the person information that they can understand, that's appropriate for them. We're just letting them make a decision. Again, they're adults. Like it's not for you to be telling them. You can't do this. You might need to warn them. And warning someone appropriately is difficult because people have attachments. Mm -hmm. And if you just tell them that their thing is shit, they're going to get defensive and generally standoffish unless that person already really respects you and a bunch of other stuff. But if you'll stand out, that's probably not going to be fully the case. So you're going to have to walk them through a thought process in a way that they can get. And that might mean getting diagrams out and drawing stuff on it and showing things and trying to create an experience for the person where they can go, Oh yeah, that does feel different. That is different. And 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 that often takes like weeks or months. Like I've got another client who who had chronic uh, low back pain issues for seven, eight, seven years, I want to say. And it's, I've been working with him in person for about a year or so now. And he can now kick ass and do like a safety bar split squat with 70 kilos for eight, 10 reps on each leg. His hinge has now come on quite nicely. He can do 45 degree hip extensions. He's now working on an RDL. He's got it up to 70 kilos. So everything's going quite nicely. But that has taken a decent chunk of time. And now he probably won't listen to this. So I'm going to shit on his one thing slightly. He likes homeopathy, right? Now, I think homeopathy is full of shit. But doesn't matter because he didn't come to me for that particular thing it's like, right let's work on this we need to introduce an understanding of pain science ideas as well as work on these mechanics style things so i gave him stuff to work on there and it was week by week we just gradually worked on stuff improved it tried not to freak out if anything was a little sore the next day so we didn't have this nocebo effect do i need to address the fact that i think homeopathy is a crock of shit probably not for his goal even though I think it's a massive crock of shit right it's sorry Ross uh, it's you know does he know you think that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now he does
2: now he does he might
1: I mean I've asked him a couple of questions <laughs> on it but I've never been like he's been doing it for years it's one of the few things that in his <laughs> eyes, has provided about it,
0: you're fucked like your entire
1: <laughs> time like, we're you fine
0: regress back to zero <laughs> oh, God, it was all a lie <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, now nah, he'd be fine. We've got a lot of he's, we've got a decent relationship. So you're going to have these clients as well where you can give him some shit straight like away and that's going to be fine. and other ones where you need to phrase it a bit more cautiously. So if Ross heard me saying this, he won't care, he'll be fine with this. But for him, you know, homeopathy was one of the few things from a child that he did that helped that to him felt like it made a difference. Well he's nearly 40 now. Like Germany you know years of believing that you're up against yeah like that's going to be really difficult so picking your battles and knowing like okay i don't have to argue with every one of my clients beliefs are they relevant to their goal are they holding them back if they are maybe we need to address them and then you need to learn how to address them in a reasonable manner that actually has a possibility of working for the client rather than just shitting on them people very rarely change their minds if you just confront them and go meh yeah. They really
0: don't. we we'll have to come back to the homeopathy thing because i got an interesting story there that's probably similar to oh, that. Um, yeah, really. But I think I told you about it actually. The um I think you told me about that guy previously up in Nottingham the other week. But the um uh so on that note as you say, like that client, the previous one you mentioned who who's looks like a clam opening when she's doing a squat. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest analogy. <laughs> but she's doing a good move. Um the um I've had clients like that and and you know similar, they're like, I really like to do this movement. Um and until there's an issue, like that's the thing, like quite often, even as the coach, even as the trainer, you need to see something go wrong or you know, understand what that's or even change it. So it could be that you're like, Oh, this person's not built to do a squat that looks like an Olympic lifter. Um, does that mean we're not going to do it? Because then they do it and they're like, Oh, that, you know, it doesn't cause any issues, you know they still got a goal of developing the hip extensors. Are they going to get the best stimulus through their knee extensors through this? Maybe not, but is it causing any like overt problems in their lower back and their hips things like that? And if the answer is no, you'd be like, well, cool. We just know this person has to do it and it looks different to other people. And then their range is <laughs> a bit less and things like that, but there's no reason to then change it until that client turns around and goes, I'm starting to get an issue. Or every time I squat the days following my back's fucked. You know, on and during the sessions, I'm feeling this sort of stuff every time I squat. You're like, okay, maybe we need to change how you're doing it.
1: Yeah, Why me, me and her. To be fair to her, have quite a reasonable joke about it. She's like, it, the squat is just like a toxic X. I just keep coming back to. I'm like, <laughs> 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 yeah, fair
2: enough. <laughs> that's, that's I know answer.
1: it's bad for me. I just keep coming back. <laughs> All right, as long as you know.
0: So for her, if it does, it actually cause issues. Was is it just? She's
1: not had any direct issues from it, but. She's, she's going to be struggling for a fair while really against her structure.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, thing, and that can be the same thing where even when we understand more about mechanics and anatomy, we can still impose goals that, you know, we, we've we taken more into account than maybe the average trainer and gone, oh, this person's not built for squatting, therefore it's not the most, you know, effective movement for challenging tissue that are lower body. But then we can still go too far and be like, but does it cause any issues? And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. But on the
1: same token, that'd be, a, to some degree, my genetic type is much more suited to middle distance running. Mm. I just don't want a middle distance run. I'd rather lift some weights and try and look a bit better, but I don't have the genetics to look amazingly. It's no different on one level of paper than that. As long as we go in knowing and are reason, reasonable and realistic with what we can expect and what mm. this does to the person, then we're fine. Yeah.
2: Well, so You mentioned before, complication and overcomplication of exercise. It's the same thing with communication. Because mm. like how you said that there, that's kind of perfect. And, and I think you briefly touched on it, where if that person comes to you and says, I want to do this, and you just go, no. <laughs> then they're going to be like, are you sure? But also by the same token, if they say they want to do it and you come up with this elaborate 10-minute answer as to why they can't do it, then they're also going to be left in that same situation be like, I haven't got a clue what you just said. Right? So you're able to speak to them and educate them and, and as it was with that dude make it a progressive thing over weeks where he knows alright I'm doing this for this reason this is where I'm going to get to that person's going to stick around
1: Yeah. rather than
2: that, kind of going either end that leads quite nicely into the over coaching
1: communication uh, stuff oh yeah,
2: oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> throwing out 800 cues all at once because again you read you had to screw the feet out on a squat He's so just going <laughs> to keep saying screw the feet out knees out Knees out, screw the feet out. And I'm not really... <laughs> my client hasn't changed one iota with what they're doing, but I'm going to keep saying yeah. those cues. Oh, yeah. The they're the only hit. ones I know how to say, and I'm not really
2: sure what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, how many joints are working? I'm going to cue every single one and what you need to do with them all. <laughs>
0: yeah, because yeah. yeah, I think that, that... So this is kind of coming under the banner, either overcomplicating your queuing, not understanding your own queuing, and just using generic shit, and also mm-hmm. not being able to adapt your queue. Yeah,
1: really meaning, if I'm saying something, I want to see a particular outcome achieved by what I'm saying in the visual in front of me. And so, well, what are you looking for? And when you said it, did it give you that?
0: Uh, The amount of times i see someone be like, yeah, squeeze, 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 (laughs) they're not. They're not necessarily touching them, so they can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> they're just being like, "Yeah, squeeze, squeeze." And it's like they're just looking at them lifting. You're like, "What are you seeing? What are you getting from squeezing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how's that changing how they're pulling? Unless you're touching them and be like, "Okay, no, they're contracting." It, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah. So those are the things. And, and as Luke said, that if you've got hands on, and we're trying to get as big a contraction in, let's say, the quad as we yeah. possibly can, I will stick my fingers into that person's thigh in various places and be like right tense this bit as hard as you possibly can tense it relax it tense it relax it just get a connection to that thing can you do that and then all i'm using if i'm cueing that person and we say tense it or squeeze it or flex it or whatever word works best for the person in front of you then i'm using the feedback from my fingers to go Okay, have they lost that level of connection to that thing? If they have, I could poke them a little harder with my fingers to be like back here again. Right. Or could I say squeeze that harder? You can you've lost that. What am I trying to get from that particular thing? And if it isn't working, maybe that client doesn't know how to squeeze a muscle yet, in which case, how do I take them through a process where they learn that skill before putting it in? There was, um, I think Dan John had quite a nice one on this. I like quoting Dan John on lots of always things.
0: always in that. It's <laughs> always
1: Dan John. But he's like, look, coaching and queuing are two different things. Queuing is something you can say one or two words to remind you of something. Off you go. But that's not where you learn anything. Coaching, well, he, as he says, a coach is an object that, or a vehicle that takes you from A to B. Coaching occurs before the set. Coaching is us learning how to take you from here.
0: You're talking about you, one of those things you sit on to drive yeah, it. Yeah, to
1: coach. That's where we get <laughs> where do think we get the term coaches from? Right. Right. So the coaching of those skills needs to occur before we come into the performance of the exercise. Then when we're ready to do it, your cues need to be simple and succinct. Like, and that can be as much as just a little encouragement, up a little high. Let's go. Like you can use those types of things depending on your personality mm-hmm. and what's going on. Or you could use cues that have a specific purpose, in which case you need to have clarified what the fuck that means in the coaching that occurs before the cueing is relevant. But like if you haven't taught someone what get tight means and you just keep saying it to them while they're about to do a deadlift, that's no use. Here's a real simple one. Smack them in the stomach. All right? If you're not sure what get tight means or bracing the core, Right, tell them you're going to do it, don't just punch them. Right. Well, <laughs> tell them, I, them I, I'm going
0: to punch you in the stomach, yeah.
1: You? But I like to, to like I've said to clients many a time, right? I want you to brace this thing like I'm about to slap you in the stomach. Ready? Because I'm about to slap you in the stomach, and you just give them a little tap. And they're like, okay. And then you're like, all right, can you do that round your entire midsection? So, what about if I hit you slightly where the kidney kind of is? Can you brace all round there and can lock that thing punch
0: down? Your clients now,
1: yeah. I basically go around. <laughs> just six,
0: Right. He goes, goes throw <laughs> punches as well. Make sure they're breathing properly. <laughs> <laughs> but like
1: but all of these things you're looking for, what's the outcome I want for this person? And sometimes you don't need it. Sometimes the client does that automatically. Do I need to go through a brace thing for every client? No, if they're already demonstrating it, I don't need to remind them they're doing fine so yeah am i just saying something for the sake of it or does this really solve a problem i see in front of me
0: yeah and and for for those in the online scenario this is even more important because the amount of times you'll see people write online stuff sometimes they don't even have cues on but sometimes they'll have cues that are very generic and they'll be just things like lock in hard you know make sure you squeeze hard throughout the movement but again if you write down on a deadlift or even as leg extension lock in hard and the client has no idea what that means like what are they you know they're gonna think am i just sitting or do i lock in do i have to get a padlock at some point on this machine <laughs> <laughs> you need to, like, if you're if you're dealing with somebody who's a complete beginner you need to be specific and that's where like if you're in an online scenario you are limited, but something like an exercise library could be a really good idea because you can at least give them some context what that means if you have it in a video and you say, I'm locking in hard. And that, by the way, looks and sounds like me doing this. You know, it's like, they'll be like, oh, okay, when he's written, lock in. I know what that means. Um,
1: you might even go, if let's say you're an online person and you're working with a relative beginner. You might have very few written notes in that section and just have a video link out to it. Then you're going to get video feedback from the client of them doing it. And then you start layering that stuff in, and being like, "Cool, I want the video for you to film yourself on this from in front of your legs, or I want to see a side angle of this thing. What angle do you need to see in order to coach this movement?" Mm -hmm. And then I was
0: going to say we're going to be covering that on the portal tonight, but this isn't going to go. isn't going to be out in time. (laughs) 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 Yeah,
1: exactly. But you, you, if you say. Everything all at once, you're almost teaching precisely nothing. People are just going to get confused. They don't know what to focus on or take away. And if you imagine a beginner has, I don't know, five to 10 exercises on their plan, let's say, and they're not familiar with most of them yet, possibly, or any of them yet, and they've got to try and get comfortable going to a gym they've not been in, and maybe they feel a bit out about all those things. Like, giving them way too much to think about is going to be more intimidating than it might already be. On the flip side, if you've got a beginner client who isn't really that much of a beginner or doesn't give two shits, has a big sporting background, did gymnastics, has great body awareness, maybe I can give them a bunch more. Like That's one of the problems when we talk about gen pop or beginner is that Lionel Messi was a beginner at football and I was a beginner at football, but we were not the same beginner at football. Like we over broadly, overly overly broadly categorize, that's a terrible phrase, Uh, that type of thing. Like, so again, it's, I tend to start with most of my, my clients, video links with maybe one or two, little notes relevant to the gym they're in or the thing i want them to use on this or if i want them to attach d handles to a thing rather than like, that kind of stuff and then we can add in more specific queuing concerns once they've mastered that and sent me some video back
0: mm-hmm. and, and and james has a really good tactic. i remember he says like clients I think from an efficiency standpoint, because obviously, you know, if you're dealing with a lot of clients, it's a good thing to do. And this is more useful. This is really only applicable for online people, to be fair. If you're in person, you don't need to worry about this too much. But he'll say, I think he'll limit the amount of videos clients can send him to like five at a time. I do that. You might think, oh, that's not a lot. But you think even five in some cases, let's say you've got someone who's new to the gym. So with each check and they'll give them five. That's a good limit because you've got five movements you can feedback on if they, they're doing. 30 across a week like if they were to send you 30 and you were to feed back on 30 it means probably for the first four five possibly even six weeks of their training with you every time they go back into the image week, they're having to remember the fact that you've given them cues and feedback on 30 different you know all 30 exercises so they go oh shit well, well yeah i've got to go back through and figure that one out whereas each week you could be like okay let's just focus on these ones initially and you could pick out the ones that you like most can go wrong on here and here and here, and it might be like one or two exercises per session. You're like, we're just gonna nail those. Um, mm. And once they're nailed, you're like, now let's start looking at the other ones. And then mm. and you just, you do it that way. It can be an easier way for you to feed back to people um, to avoid- yep. over I
1: stole that idea from yeah. James. I do the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, so- avoid-
1: five videos a week. Yeah. Other, again, otherwise, also, if you, once you get busy, your you- client check-ins will take eight years mm. if you
2: have 30 <laughs> videos to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you also can't assume that queuing is gonna make something better yeah it could be a case you set something up like if you give them a generic cue, it actually makes something that was pretty shit to start with worse Mm. like if you say chest up on a deadlift and they're already like this (laughs) and they go i can't physically do that anymore but i'm going to try then you send it through like hang on (laughs) yeah said therefore you can get you can get videos to start with and then you can cue from that and give them more written things from there you can give them relatively generic setup stuff in terms of how to get into a machine if they're new but then you have to make it right what are you doing wrong here what am i going to make better yeah.
1: yeah, and I like but draw... I like yeah. drawing all over videos when they get sent
2: through. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, like, like <laughs> faces <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> <different> things. <laughs>
0: you can do, and this is why, you know, being involved in practical learning of all this stuff is so cool. Like something we do, but I remember we did it with Michael. I think Michael did it. I can't remember if it was RTS or one of just the Integra um, days, but he we had an exercise and he basically went around and said, you know, how many, ex- how many cues can we come up with for this one movement? And, like, everyone was trying to come up with a different way of trying to get this person to do it. And there were some that were, like, really abstract and some that were really inappropriate and some that were really, um, you know, worked really well and all this stuff. And But it was these these different ways of communicating it to the guy who was doing it and at the end I remember he fed back and went oh yeah that one worked really well and you know that one didn't but then there was other people that were listening and said oh I thought that one worked really well and it's like this is just how people interpret things and that's the the advantage you get from training people in person I, I fully stand by the fact that you will always get better be able to get better results with people in person than online um, mm, yeah. Like body composition-wise, maybe not. But from an exercise experience perspective, like in terms of body composition, you can get phenomenal results online, and there's no debating that. But in terms of getting people to experience exercise and come out of sessions been like that felt fucking awesome, and they were very clear on everything. And you know, there you is know.
1: only so much you can assess online yeah. without being hands-on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which yeah. comes, yeah. To when it's like jumping online too soon. If you've yeah. not ever worked in a in a one-to-one scenario. I mean, all of us have done it. Some still do. I'm looking to go back to it because I see the advantage of it, and it is very rewarding. And it's nice to have like per, you know person to person communication, which you lose when you go online. Um, but the that's
1: another thing for the online bit is you will spend ages sat in front of your computer, and and that's not as exciting as you think it might be. <laughs>
0: you know the thing of you can work anywhere in the world it's like yeah but you don't um, <laughs> uh,
3: um
0: yeah but the um uh that 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 experience in the in the um the i mean the gifts that one to one training gives you are awesome so I'd say anyone who's able to get involved with that and i've I've said it recently and it still probably applies that now is a very good time to actually go and do it if you haven't you know coming off um covid like yes you know there's a lot of people that have been struggling and getting back in a gym might seem like a step back if especially if you've gone i just transitioned online you'd be like going back to gyms like there's clearly been a boom in the amount of people that are attending gyms because people want to get out of their house now um Mm -hmm. and you can potentially capitalize on that if you go in to, to those places with some results that you've got online and, and but the ability to kind of practice this stuff it will help both your online business and the BT business i think it's a good time to do it that's um, one of the things
1: like i think people just make the mistake of thinking oh, i'll just be online like there's a reason i still do 10 one-to-one sessions a week it's not because i need to necessarily financially it's i yeah. think it's useful as a coach to keep doing that and i'll tell you this on practical caps you can tell the people who work in person much more than just the people who work online
0: yeah yeah it's great yeah, yeah it's cool Ooh, that,
1: i think that's one last point then we sort of we're getting towards it speaking jargon
0: yeah
1: uh, you I the technical names for stuff does not mean your clients use them
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: making sure you speak to them in the words they use is going to be huge like and as Luke touched on like some some cues work really well for some clients and god only knows why like they- i really enjoy saying dick fuck the bar during like an rdl like so- <laughs> <laughs> and for some of my clients that goes really well <laughs> now i don't necessarily lead with that one if i had a new Elderly
2: lady coming in. Oh, I think you should. You definitely should. Yeah. I've definitely yeah. used it with this. Bring it This is what, this oh. what I'm all about as a coach.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it? I remember when you <laughs> said that thing on the call with Jacques, and that there's that woman on there, and she was like, <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, for that yeah, the,
1: uh, the Americans didn't, didn't love it as much. How dare you?
0: British human. Uh, British human. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, the jargon
1: um yeah, like as much as you know the industry itself likes to shit on the phrase toning or people not saying weight loss instead of fat loss because we can all say well if it death weight loss then chop a leg off and it'll be fine right and it's like yeah okay but to begin with we can just use the words the clients used back to them and yeah. educate them a little bit as we go through yeah. uh, like well, if I, you
0: know, for instance, if, if I had a consult with anyone that says Tony or weight loss, I just cancel the call. And the call he does, he hangs
1: up immediately. <laughs> God only knows why Luke has clients at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, if a client uses tummy, say tummy, if they use core, say call. Like that's fine over time, you can educate them. They and they
0: could call can you a them. prick, call them a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but um but yeah but but you know that's very you know i definitely did that um you know when i first started studying exercise mechanics and you learn about moment arms and this and that and uh, you know i'll be PTing someone and i would try and i'd explain the movement. To them, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know, this is cool because it does this, and I'm like, it excites me. It doesn't excite them. <laughs> Maybe sometimes it would, and they'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, if they're a physics major or something, and you know, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but no, the, uh, if, uh, yeah, most of the time, just kind of check that, and and when you're writing cues, that's a big one. You know, you're thinking, it sounds really cool, and I still do this, and I'll do it with client. I obviously work with a lot of coaches and to to like i still do it with them because i think there's a benefit for them learning this stuff a bit um but if it was gen pop people i'm not going to write any humeral joint i'm gonna write shoulder i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna write um i mean that's probably a fairly good example but you know it's like the you know scapula. i'd probably say shoulder blade you know it's the it's these sorts of things that when we learn those terms it sounds really cool and it might think you you might think you look professional doing it and things like that um in certain circles, that may be true in the circles of gen pop clients that are the ones most of us are going to be working with. Um, probably they don't really care about that stuff and it will confuse them and then we get back to the stuff. You My did.
1: experience as well. Like if you want to do the like slight nerd out thing, give a client an experience with an exercise type that is really different to ones they've experienced before. So they've done normal dumbbell lat raises, do a sideline dumbbell lat raise or a cable lat raise with them and they'll be like, well, that's fucking different. And if they say, say, it like
0: that as well.
1: That's yeah. So. <laughs> if they <laughs> express like, "Oh, that's really different," like, and then they're curious, you can use that curiosity as a jumping-off point to start explaining a couple of things. Mm. And that sometimes happens, but don't just go in being like, "I'm excited by this."
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing you, Luke, at Halo, having annihilated something like that. Happened and then just lying on the ground and trying to explain exactly why it was so difficult. <laughs> Did you know that this was actually so hard because of this? This <laughs> desperately trying to get air in.
0: <laughs> fair, I think it goes, it, you know, the simplistic way of explaining things, it goes, I'm going I'm to compliment Paul pretty heavily here because I've said this recently on a few, I don't, know, I don't know if I said it publicly or just in the practical camps maybe, but Paul's way of explaining mechanic stuff. So that was one of the, um, you know main reasons we asked him to come on board because he's awesome at explaining stuff like that um but the videos he's done even in people like myself who've studied mechanics for a long time the the simplistic way of explaining it with when using props to demonstrate stuff that clicks even with people who are fairly advanced um so if it clicks with them it's probably going to be way easier to communicate to people that aren't that advanced and the same goes through communicating communicating exercise so if you have that ability to take that complex um those complex words and complex concepts and break them down even for your advanced clients um it will probably serve you very well um to uh in the long run when it comes to communicating stuff and getting better results because that's what this is about right when we're trying to communicate cues and exercises and things like that We're doing it because it's hopefully going to improve the result. Um, That's
1: maybe one thing, actually, that sometimes being online helps in person sometimes, is if you have to do a load of writing or content creation, it can encourage you to become more... (laughs) Having said that, I've now just butchered this sentence so it's becoming more clear and clarified right <laughs> but writing out, yeah that was super good uh, but but writing things out and having to talk to camera encourages clarity which then actually becomes useful when you go back to in person because when you're doing it in person sometimes you find yourself explaining an idea that you haven't explained very well yet or all that much and that's sometimes really useful because you'll stumble upon an analogy that works really well. You're like, oh, that was a great way. I going to remember that, you know, building stuff is a lot like Lego blicks. Uh, I'm going to give up talking today, boys. This really, really not <laughs> going well for my mouth. It's late in the day, lads, yeah? Uh, but you've got to find good analogies from talking sometimes just on the cuff, off the cuff. Again, it's going terribly. This is terrible. Uh, And then other times you're going to find ones where writing things down and trying to figure it out, recording yourself on camera, watching it back and being like, there were way too many ums and ahs there. How do I get more clarity within this? They both feed into each other. So even if you're in person and only in person, there is often a benefit to putting out some online content in terms of the clarity of what you do. Because we've been chitting a little bit too much, I think, on the online people all need to do in-person stuff but there's something to be taken from online business to your in-person mm. stuff as well.
0: Yeah. No, no, yeah, I think there's the online model isn't broken it's just not as effective.
1: I think you, you learn more in-person than you learn online but you still mm. can learn online and bring that back.
0: Yeah, percent. So, the last um, point we'd raise which is probably an easy one and a quick one to finish on is common mistakes new trainers make being unprofessional as fuck, um, <laughs> probably not a good idea. Um, the um, and you know the I, I mentioned earlier, obviously when we were talking about the David Lloyd and like obviously you know, it, will, it will serve you really well to be charming and stuff like that. It probably will to actually be mm-hmm. quite polite and you know well mannered and and kind of treated That's what
1: Luke means by charming.
0: <laughs> but, no, but two, two people with respect and and you know the you know and have kind of standards and values and things like that that you operate by and, and you know, not being a total dick, um, it will go a long way. Um, You know, when it comes to even, you know, replying to emails and stuff like having, you know, a decent email address and signatures, you know, an email signature and using proper grammar and using slang and not swearing in communications and things like that, that sort of stuff will bother clients. I know it bothers me. If I am investing in in a professional in any realm and their grammar sucks, um, Mm. it it bothers me. Um, And if, you know, and if, you know, I know that will bother other clients. There'll be people that, you know, especially when you think Gen Pop, you're like, oh, Gen Pop, you know, they they... They're not to do with the gym. They might not be anything to do with the gym, but they might be high-end in some other area of business and having good grammar and good etiquette and things means a lot to them. So it's like having those sorts of things in place is a good idea and showing up on time, showing up looking smart, having some, you know, if, if you're in a gym that gives you a uniform, cool. If not, have some, make some sort of uniform yourself. Um, mm. And... i say yeah. the
1: only one where sometimes the, the grammar one we can overdo is, let's say you're a dyslexic PT, i will accept
0: like, no, even then. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yes, you know, for certain things like making a signature call, cool, you can make sure that's all good to go. You might, if a for longer form stuff, chuck it through something like Grammarly can be a really useful way of just double checking those bits and pieces. If you want to work around and you're kind of dis- quite dyslexic with clients, voice note them rather than send them messages. Just working with a, the medium that suits you and your delivery sometimes the best. Like I like words so i'm quite happy with writing stuff out and making that run but that doesn't mean that that's going to be the case for everyone and as long as you're on time polite cordial well-informed listening all those types of things yeah people like luke are going to hate you if you don't get the grammar right (laughs) but it's not the be all and the end all unless it's lazy if it's just lazy that's a different thing
0: no. I'm and being, if it's
1: just I lazy. Know. Just pretend you're dyslexic, and then it's not <laughs> lazy anymore. Yeah.
0: And then, uh, and then, top it off with being very charming and seductive in all your communications.
1: Well, one of the harder of parts right, is that when PTs are starting out, often they're like 22 years old, <laughs> and so they're 22 around other scantily clad people in the gym, oh, nice. sweating, and like, ah. This, this isn't going to end with everyone trying to fuck in the showers at all. <laughs> uh, what?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> to be fair,
1: I, I have a very good track record. I've only ever hooked up with two clients. In a decade, that's not a bad rate. And One I dated for like many years. That's a pretty good ratio. I kind of pride myself on not being a sleazy dick. I've
0: had some pretty uh, bad boys, to be fair. I mean, there was a guy in, in my area that had a well, like, reputation for like <laughs> pretty much every other client. He pretty much only coached females of a certain age group and I think he slept with all of them. And he yeah, I, uh, a PT. <laughs> I,
1: remember, I remember once one of the PTs had, David Lloyd, he had a wife and a couple of kids and he was also banging a fair number of his clients. Oh. Three of them turned up at once. Right? So one, he's doing a session with this one girl on the rower and his wife turns up with another girl he's been sleeping and proceed to just be screaming at him. Floor, oh. like hitting him with handbags it was epic me and my clients stopped doing our session and we're just like oh my god popcorn out. <laughs> like, popcorn moment it was phenomenal.
0: <laughs> another one common mistakes new trainers make sleeping with clients probably not the best idea um and I, I mean one final one to add i don't know how long we've been going now an hour people say um, would be expecting clients to nail it straight out the gate every time forgetting that there's life outside the gym and that's yeah a common thing. what do you mean
1: you're not committed to this meal plan
0: yeah and that's the thing like you go in with a really complicated training plan and you give them like a meal plan macros whatever and then they report in and they've not nailed it and you're like what like like because it's your life it must be that.
2: yeah
0: um you know, just bear in mind that you quite often have you know this is where it comes back to the queuing thing and you're like i've got to have different cues. You'll have different approaches and different levels you go in at, and different expectations, um, and probably a better vetting process if that's what's happening to you. If you're expecting everyone to nail it, then maybe start asking better questions in the consultation process. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that's probably good, though. No? I feel like that was hopefully quite a useful episode. If there's any um, new trainers listening to that, making those mistakes, make yourself known, and we will mock you.
1: <laughs> or just older trains. Trains have been doing it a while. Who feel like if we've missed anything? Oh yeah. The end. Or just great
2: stories. Of, yeah,
0: story, you know, stories. Stories like, are
2: the one.
1: Anything yeah, that's yeah. happened.
0: Uh, if you're watching, yeah. If you're watching this on YouTube, comment them. If you're on Instagram or on your phone listening, share it on your story with some funny story blurb because that would be quite
2: entertaining.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: things about you because this is good. It's quite fun to reflect on stuff like that.
1: If you've also seen a trainer getting shit for banging some of his mm-hmm. clients and it all kick off on the gym floor, I want to know those stories. If you <laughs> walked in on anyone in the sauna, I want to know those
2: stories.
0: Yeah. Right. And if you're like me and you are just the perfect trainer who's never made mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh I don't know. thank you for listening guys um yeah and thank you guys for coming that was entertaining.
2: Cheers. Hello. always a pleasure.
3: until next time people thank you for listening to the muscle mentors podcast just a quick shout out to our sponsors who support the channel and everything we do in the realms of education and coaching within the industry firstly our original sponsor Supplement needs, they've been with us from the start. If you're seeking the highest quality supplements on the market, particularly organ support and health orientated products, you can use code MUSCLEMENTORS at checkout for 10% off your order. Precision Prep, our recently introduced food preparation partner, delivering the finest quality meal prep across the UK, featuring their new Pro Prep range, a concept closely developed with us to solve an issue we see day to day with time limitations and nutritional compromise. If you're seeking the highest quality nutrition delivered to your door for the best price, look no further. Use code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for 15% off your first order and 10% thereafter. And lastly, Optics, the highest grade blue blue light blocking glasses on the market with the slickest style. In a world filled with artificial light, particularly those with high screen time, I can certainly say I'm one of them. These can be a real game changer for sleep quality and recovery, something we use personally on a day-to-day basis. Grab yourself a pair by using code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for money off all orders. Once again, thank you for your continued support. Until next time.